This is Chris Paschal, and you're listening to the first episode of the Paschal Gamecock Podcast. This episode is brought to you by BP Skinner Clothers, which is located in the heart of Columbia's historic vista. BP Skinner will help you create a personalized wardrobe. So if you're in need of a suit, tuxedo, sport coat, or more, look no further than BP Skinner for the perfect fit. Trust, quality, service, and style. You'll experience all of it when you shop at BP Skinner. I appreciate y'all tuning in, whether you're in Buford or Anderson, Georgetown or Rock Hill, this hopefully will become a home for you on Sunday nights for Gamecock football. The plan for this show is pretty simple. It's going to be one episode per week, about 30 to 45 minutes long, and I hope to give you a little something, uh, a little different to chew on when it comes to uh, Gamecock football. So without further ado, let's dive right in. And for the first episode, I kind of want to put things into perspective for this Gamecock football program. So let's start off with this. Over the past few seasons, when I say Gamecock football, what comes to mind? Does losing to Clemson come to mind? Does a 6-16 and record in Carolina's last 22 games come to mind? How about losing 48-3 to to Texas A&M this past year? How about losing to App State? Do angry callers or tweets come to mind? What comes to mind? For about probably 99% of you, I have a feeling something negative popped into your brain. For a few people, that negative uh, negativity popped into your brain because you're just a negative fan. You're going to be upset, um, bitter, angry about South Carolina football no matter what. That's just kind of who you are. South Carolina could literally win the national championship by 50 points and you'd be angry they didn't win by 51. So if that's you, turn this podcast off. This isn't for you. I'm guessing most of you, though, had something negative pop into your mind because you've been told or programmed or brainwashed into thinking something negative. Some would chalk this up to the poor football history that South Carolina has or the you know lack of championship banners, or, or something along those lines. But that's not it. The reason for the negativity is because for so long, the mindset around this program has been, we're winning in spite of being South Carolina. Let me say that again. The mindset, especially under the Muschamp coaching staff, was we won this game in spite of the fact that we're at South Carolina. Tavares Robinson, defense coordinator, five years, would say in quiet circles that he can't recruit the same level of athlete at South Carolina. That if you want an elite recruit, it, 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 you got to have a different logo on the side of your helmet. And if you got an elite recruit, it was in spite of having a Gamecock logo on your helmet. I mean, defensive line coach Lance Thompson tweeted out back in 2018 that it was a modern-day miracle that South Carolina made a bowl game. Think about that. A modern-day miracle that South Carolina won seven games back in 2018. That was the mindset. Now, some of you are, are, are probably shaking your head at this. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, you know, yeah, the, the Muschamp coaching staff and the culture, it probably wasn't the best. You know, and we're starting to see that, and we saw that a little bit with with some of the quotes and some of the mindsets and some of the the things that were said as, 
either coaches or or players left Columbia. But you're thinking, yeah, the, the coaching staff, the culture wasn't the best. But part of the reason for that culture was because we're a losing program. And to that, I say, let's look at what's happening in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee is a historically great football program. I mean, great's not even probably the word for it. When you talk Tennessee football, you're talking about a top 10 program of all time, potentially. Your top 10 all-time in wins. You have the second most SEC conference titles Tied with second with with Georgia, and you're only behind Alabama. They have tons of All-Americans. They have national titles, first-round draft picks, one of the largest football stadiums in the country, rabid fan base. When you think Tennessee football, for the most part, you're thinking of success. But I'm telling you, from people I've spoken with, and just from what you hear out of Tennessee, the culture within the football program at Tennessee is still in spite of. That's saying, in spite of. Jeremy Pruitt arrives in Tennessee from Alabama. And what's Jeremy Pruitt do? Well, the second he arrives in Tennessee, it's, well, in order for us to compete with Georgia or Alabama, I'm going to need more financial buy-in. And then it's, well, in order for us to compete with Georgia or Alabama, I need to steal Georgia's offensive coordinator, and I don't care how much it costs. But, but that's not good enough. I, I'm also going to need to upgrade the facilities. And we need, need new indoor facilities, practice facilities, if we're going to be able to compete with Georgia or Alabama or Florida. Even at Tennessee, the mindset is, Well, if we win, it's in spite of the fact of fill in the blank. If we win at Tennessee, it's in spite of the fact that we're Tennessee. But I want you to to think about this. In both programs, that in spite of mindset has crept in. But who has the better foundation to be built on? South Carolina or Tennessee? And I'm being serious. Who has the better foundation to build on? Let's compare. South Carolina has a president that is determined to build a winning football program. And I know that sounds sounds kind of bizarre to some people, but the president is dedicated and determined to help build a winning football program. And he did it at West Point. When it was clear Will Muschamp wasn't going to work out, he fired him amidst an ocean full of opinions that nobody, not a single coach, should be fired during the 2020 season for whatever reason. Whether it be COVID, whether it be finances. But that's what he did. He fired Muschamp, and he, along with Ray Tanner, I want to give Ray Tanner some credit whether... You know, fans believe he deserves it or not. Caslin, along with Ray Tanner, conducts a a coaching search, has interviews, collects resumes. He offered one man for the job and Shane Beamer, and he hired Shane Beamer. So in a year where not only should you not fire a head football coach, according to the national media, even maybe some local media, In spite of that, 
Bob Caslin goes out, fires Will Muschamp, finds Shane Beamer, hires Shane Beamer. Compare that to Tennessee. In a Sports Illustrated article, here's what read the first few sentences about the Tennessee football program, and this was back in early December. Ahead of the final game of Tennessee's unprecedented 2020 season, news broke that Jeremy Pruitt's football program is under investigation for alleged recruiting violations. The final football game of the Tennessee football season. That was on December 5th. On December 5th, the same day, news broke that Shane Beamer was going to be the next head football coach at South Carolina. So let's compare and contrast. Early on even, December 5th, South Carolina has not only fired Will Muschamp, conducted a coaching search, and interviewed coaches, they have already found their head guy. Tennessee is just now beginning their coaching search, potentially. And if they're not conducting a coaching search, they at least have some kind of investigation starting. So, you know, for those of you that that either don't know or haven't been following the situation at Tennessee, here's what's going on. Tennessee football has been a dysfunctional mess for well over a decade now. And either because of the dysfunction or as a result of the dysfunction, Tennessee has decided to basically burn their football program down to the ground, just burn the whole thing to the ground in hopes of rebuilding it. And and I think the most telling thing is a statement that Tennessee released um, during the, the early stages of this quote-unquote, investigation. And here it is, I quote, We take seriously our institutional commitment to NCAA compliance and are reviewing regulatory issues that have been brought to our attention. As part of that process, we are currently working with attorneys Kyle Skillman and Michael Glazier. We will provide additional information when it's appropriate. Okay, so a few things on this. First of all, no, they don't. Tennessee doesn't care about regulatory issues. They don't take NCAA compliance seriously. You don't win national championships with Phil Fulmer back in the 90s and raiding South Carolina and Atlanta and Mobile, Alabama. You don't get all those players because you take this stuff seriously. Okay? They take winning seriously. And Jeremy Pruitt wasn't doing that. So instead of doing what Bob Caslin and Ray Tanner did at South Carolina, which was fire the head football coach and move on. Fire the head football coach and conduct a coaching search. Fire the head football coach and let him leave on his terms or at and leave, you know, with some kind of credibility. Fire him because he doesn't win football games. Don't fire him because you drag his name through the mud. Tennessee is doing exactly that. They're dragging Jeremy Pruitt through the mud. Because if they find enough mud, or they generate enough mud, they can fire him for cause. And by firing him with cause, Tennessee now doesn't have to buy out that massive contract extension they gave him less than a year ago. Okay, so again, early on stages, December 5th, 
Tennessee is starting an investigation, hired outside attorneys to try and find Mudd and to conduct an investigation so that they can get rid of Pruitt because he's not winning. Contrast that with South Carolina. South Carolina has already fired their head football coach because he wasn't winning, and they have hired by this point their next head football coach. So I kind of want, you know, we, we've taken one step back. Let's take another step back and think. Which program is in better shape, South Carolina or Tennessee? When you go on 24-7 sports or ESPN or SEC Network, the narrative is Tennessee is still an elite job. And it might be. It might be. But my, I have my doubts. Okay, because when you think about Tennessee football, to be honest, I'm I'm 26. In my lifetime, besides save maybe the 2015, 2016, you know, two years in a row with Butch Jones, Tennessee football has really not been much to me. I don't think of elite, high end, top end championship caliber football. And I'm 26, so imagine if I'm a 17-year-old recruit. So let's compare South Carolina and Tennessee. South Carolina has the facilities, the recruiting base, and I argue maybe a better recruiting base than Tennessee. Tennessee, closest hub of talent is three hours away, three and a half hours away in Atlanta. South Carolina is an hour and a half to Charlotte. South Carolina has, within its own state, good prospects, sometimes elite prospects. It's close to eastern North Carolina, which has great prospects. It's that same three hours to Atlanta. It's closer to South Georgia. So South Carolina not only has the new facilities, but it has a good recruiting base. has a stadium that, when it gets rolling, it's rolling. And it has the buy-in, not only with the administration, but kind of with the, the money from the, the donors to win a lot of football games. The only thing that's missing at South Carolina is that mindset. It's changing that mindset. The mindset of we win in spite of being South Carolina. The missing part of this program is changing the mindset of South Carolina wins not in spite of being South Carolina, but because of South Carolina. That is what not only this this fan base, but the football program is missing. We aren't winning in spite of South Carolina. We're winning because we are South Carolina, because we have the facilities, because we have the recruiting base, because we're in the SEC, because we have a good stadium, because we have the buy-in, because we have the money. That is what the missing piece of the puzzle is. And to be honest, that's what the missing piece of the puzzle was for Clemson. And Dabo understood it. Clemsoning. Remember Clemsoning? Nobody got more mad about Clemsoning. There, there could be, you know, 15th generation. I, my last name is Clemson and I live in the upstate. And, you know, my, my car is orange. My house is orange. I paint my body orange. The term Clemsoning upset that dude less than it upset Dabo Sweeney because to him Clemsoning wasn't blowing a lead Clemsoning was we can't do it because we're Clemson 
And he's taken that mindset, as annoying as it is to South Carolina fans, as annoying as it as it is to me, he's taken that mindset of little old Clemson can't do it, and he has built a program on it. Clemson isn't winning national championships in spite of Clemson. Clemson is winning national championships because of Clemson. That's the missing piece of the puzzle, and that's what Shane Beamer understands at South Carolina. Muschamp's assistants, for the most part, couldn't leave town fast enough. I mean, my mom was just a couple days ago making that joke. Feels like, you know, you blink and another person's left Columbia for either another job or especially the Auburn job. I mean, the tweets have been hilarious in terms of cocky has left Carolina and now he's going to Auburn. You know, Auburn has changed their color scheme to going in black. When you have head coach, or excuse me, offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, I said head coach because you know what? For a little bit of that season, at the end of the season and the beginning of the Beamer era, it kind of felt like he was trying to be the head coach. Offensive coordinator Mike Bobo signs an extension, is making over $1 million, is telling people around the program that he loves Columbia, he wants to be in Columbia, and the first chance he gets to maybe strong-arm Shane Beamer, leverage the the administration and the coaching staff into getting some more money, hey, I have this Auburn offer. Y'all want me, don't you? You're going to have to pay up a little bit more. First chance he gets. What Shane Beamer do? Thank you for your efforts. Thank you for your time. Head on to Auburn. Beamer's assistant coaches now, and, you know, take Mike Peterson, take Des Kitchings out of this. I appreciate the fact that they're staying. They're both great coaches, and, and I hope that they have long careers not only here, but whatever the next step is for them. But the new assistant coaches that Shane Beamer's brought in are crying. Not because they have to go to Columbia, because they get to go back to Columbia. They're excited to be with this program. They're excited to be Gamecocks. And this may sound stupid, but I want to hit on this. Under Will Muschamp, whenever a recruit would commit to the school, he tweeted out Spurs up. Which, hey, you know, <laughs> it was catchy. I liked it. He tweeted out Spurs up. And it was it was something that it came out that both he and his wife kind of came up with. And God bless him. I love the idea behind it. It's catchy. I get it. I liked it. But Muschamp came up with it. This wasn't a South Carolina saying. This wasn't, you know, like the Roll Tide or War Eagle or Hottie Toddy. This wasn't a South Carolina saying. This was something that Muschamp came up with. The fan base didn't come up with it. Players didn't come up with it. The Muschamps came up with it. When asked about it a few years ago, Muschamp said, I wanted, and I quote, I wanted to have a way to let our fan base know that a young man wanted to be at South Carolina. Think about those words. I wanted to have a way to let our fan base know that a young man wanted to be at South Carolina. He wanted to be here. That was newsworthy in the Muschamp era. Somebody wanting to be here. That wasn't the standard or the expectation. That was the pinnacle. That was newsworthy. That somebody wanted 
to be at South Carolina. Could you believe somebody wanted to be at South Carolina? They do. I can't believe it spurs up. Beamer's outlook has been the exact opposite. Shouldn't it be surprising that that somebody wants to be here? It shouldn't be surprising. It should be expected. And when they expected that recruits want to be here, when it's expected that they want to be part of the Gamecock family, that it's expected to feel at home to be in Columbia, that's how you change the mindset from winning in spite of being a Gamecock to winning because you're a Gamecock. It's not spurs up. Somebody wants to be here. It's welcome home. Let's get to work. And that's why you're seeing different pieces of the puzzle. And part of it, yes, is necessity. Some of it is we have, we're thin at a couple different spots on the roster. But that's why you have a linebacker from Delaware a wide receiver from Georgia Tech, a walk-on, a preferred walk-on that's featured on NBC Nightly News. That's why you have different pieces of the puzzle coming to Columbia. Do we need them? Of course. But we not only need them because we're thin at certain positions, we need them because it adds to the culture. Not, oh my goodness, they want to be here. It's, Welcome here. Welcome home. Let's get to work. So you're South Carolina. When's the last time you've been afraid of Tennessee? When's the last time, to be honest, you've been afraid of Florida? You've lost to them three straight years, but those games have been close even when Florida was the better program, head and shoulders better program. You felt the pieces were there. And that's why, you know, people gave me a hard time and they should have for a lot of reasons. But that's why I was so perplexed and I wanted to stick with Muschamp basically until the AM game this year. It's because you felt the pieces were there. The facilities are there. The buy-in is there. The fan base is there. The recruiting is there. What wasn't there was the mindset, was the culture was the idea that South Carolina wins not in spite of itself, but because of itself. That it's not newsworthy, somebody wants to be here. It's expected, somebody wants to be here. So, heading into the Shane Beamer era, for some perspective, I think this fan base should be excited. And then, Maybe future episodes, maybe next episode, we're going to go more in depth into this coaching staff. When, hopefully when it's completed, we still have offensive line coach uh, questions out there, vacancy there. But right now, the perspective, the outlook, the trajectory of this South Carolina program, I think is great. And I don't even know if it shows up in the win column year one, maybe even year two. But when the mindset is, this is the place to be, 
This is where you win games. This is where you join a family. You are building on something a lot better than whatever is going on at Tennessee. Whatever even is going on at Florida. Whatever's going on at Auburn. I'll take the start of the Shane Beamer era over a lot of situations. Is it going to show up beating up beating Clemson, beating Georgia, year one, year two? Probably not. I hope so, but probably not. But the trajectory, the foundation, I'm excited. I think this is going to be something that that we look back on and, and that missing piece, not in spite of, but because of. That's going to be something that's going to be exciting for Gamecock fans. So there it is. That's my first take for you. I hope most of you didn't click out the first five minutes. But that's episode one, and I appreciate y'all tuning in. And if you liked what you heard, um, please share with friends. As you can tell, it's this isn't just because it's the first episode. It's going to be how it is. It's going to be 25, 30, 45 minutes. No music, no sound bites. For this, at this point, no, no, no real guests. This is going to be a Sunday night home, hopefully for you, where you can listen and talk some Gamecock football. And if you liked what you heard, please share with friends. And, and I look forward to having you come back next week. And um, I thank you for turn, tuning in to the first ever episode of Pascal's Gamecock Podcast. Thank you so much.